Hey, real quick, I just wanted to let you know that Gabba Gabba Hunt is now a record store. Well, not really a store, but a booth at an antique store located in Eastridge Mall in Gastonia, North Carolina. Vintage Village is three stores down from Dillard's on the left. And my booth is on the left side of Vintage Village. It's the one with all the records. You can't miss it. I've got over a thousand records, toys, t-shirts, DVDs, VHS, all kinds of stuff there. So come check it out. Gabba Gabba Hunt Records and Vintage Goods located in Vintage Village at Eastridge Mall, Gastonia, North Carolina. You are now listening to the Gabba Gabba Hunt Talks Podcast, where we bring you conversations with people connected to the Carolina's underground music scene. Your host, Mike Phillips of Van Huskins. Check. One, two. Can you hear me? Check, check. One, two. Yeah, I hear you. Can you hear me? Hey, can you hear me? I, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, it's starting to do it now. Okay. I don't know what that background music is. It's a, hold on a second. Holy shit. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. All right. Got it. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, I don't have the- any music going on over here, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it was. It had to be the thing in the settings. because, like right when I saw it, I was like, all right, there, there we go. Because I just had to sign it there. Yeah. I, I figured there was, right. there, there was something in the settings that was going on, and I was like, well, if we can't do that, we'll figure something out. Some, some, one way or another, we'll get this. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Are you, are you hearing like a crackling sound at all? I am not. So okay, I wonder good. if that's something on on your end, but I'm not hearing it, and so it's not going to interfere with with recording as long as you can deal with it. Yeah, I can deal with it. I just don't know what that is, but it's all right. I'm, I'll live. Yeah, I know. Sometimes trying to use the the inner because I, I I've got my what I would use as my interface. I've got it hooked up to record with, but I'm not using it as an interface. You're just listening to me through my laptop speaker or microphone. Um, I got you. And then I'm recording everything on my what I, my Zoom recorder, which is what I'd use as my interface. But I know when I've tried to use that as an interface for, for things, that there's there's always, it's like, it's kind of tricky to get everything just right sometimes. Um, yeah. And I, I've never done it like with, with Skype because uh, I'm always recording it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's cool. This this is a brand new interface. I, got, I ended up getting a, um, like a Focusrite. Yeah. And it, it's pretty good, man. It's like, it, it's a pretty good clear channel thing for podcasting and i just got a four channel in case i would just want to do some like off the wall recording and i bought a computer that's about the size of a phone yeah and so i can just pack everything down if i want to take everything portable so it's pretty rad yeah, it works. yeah. that's what i use this this zoom recorder it's like a it's like a six track recorder it's it's out of the box you can do four tracks um but I, it's super portable i take it with me to go do podcasts all the time um, yeah, I, I haven't nice. recorded music with it yet. I've, I've taken it to shows and just recorded a show with it, just with like the little XY mic attachment that comes with it. But right. um, but you know it, it it's it's okay. It's it, I, I've I'm sure I could do some decent recordings with it if I sat down and took the time to do it. But man, finding the time to do that is kind of tough. Yeah. yeah, you gotta get in a whole bunch of things, man, like good mics and stuff like that too. You know. Yeah, but, that was that was one thing. Like during the pandemic, I had all these ideas. Like I want to learn to play drums, and I want to start recording this little solo project thing I want to do, and I can use that Zoom recorder to do it. And it's yeah. like you know, man, the podcast kind of took over, and that was like, well, look, I don't have time to do all that other stuff. And now I'm selling records and everything too, so it, that eats up a lot of my time. Yeah, but so I'll do what I can. <laughs> one of these yeah, days. That- 
that stuff you're doing selling the records and everything that's pretty cool yeah it's it's something that i've when i was a teenager i wanted to have a record store that was like that was my dream was to run a record store and yeah. uh you know i've been collecting records for 30 years and uh, a few years ago i, I mostly just kind of wanted to get into the business of uh, selling off my my toys that i've been collecting because they were just taking up space and, and sitting in boxes i was like well you know i can th- i can sell a few crates of records kind of kind of thinking about doing a, like an antique booth or something and then it kind of fell into my lap the opportunity to buy a whole bunch of records for a really good price and then that kind of like okay i think i want to do records now and, and it just snowballed from there yeah uh, I, I love it because my collection has grown but at the same time like i get to listen to stuff i've never heard before and then you know i don't have to keep it because then i can sell it to somebody else to enjoy um because I just don't have as much room for, for stuff in my collection anymore. I'm all, all the time going, man, I'd love to keep this, but where am I going to put it? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm having issues with the front of our house. Like, we have uh, so much vinyl that it's weighing down the floor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so that. it's it's kind of like, and I can't go up underneath that portion of the house to put jacks in there. So I'm just kind of like, what am I going to do? I'm just like starting these shelves in these other rooms now. And I don't know, I started like collecting I, 2011 maybe mm-hmm. and like I've, I've always had an, a pretty extensive punk collection like from my younger years and um uh i was djing and doing a whole bunch of like uh techno and breakbeats and i've got like just a lot of that but i kept a lot of it and then just started growing and um repurchasing things that i'd sold in the past yeah yeah and then I just never stopped. And then yep. I even stopped tattooing myself because I just started buying records all the time. <laughs> it's 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 uh it's it's addictive for sure. I, I I another reason why I did this was like if I can sell enough to support my buying habit, that'll be nice. So yeah. But I'm also at that point where I'm like, I, if I get any more records, I might be putting too much weight in this uh in this place. So uh, I, yes, I worry sir. I worry about that as well. Um, but I, I just need another shelf in a different spot of the room or a different room. I think I can handle it. <laughs> that's that's how my yeah. brain works. I'll just get you another shelf, put it somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. It's a it's definitely weird when your when your house starts moving differently because of vinyl. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like uh oh. I've heard know. I've heard some horror stories. So, oh uh, god, no. But anyway. I don't even, I'm, I'm terrified. <laughs> anyway, Damn. I guess we, we can go ahead and get started. We kind of sure. always just sort of lead up to it. But today I'm talking to Billy Riot and, and you're in a band called Soda City Riot. And we'll talk about like that and, and what, what you're doing now with, with your new podcast and everything. We'll get up to all that in a little bit. Sure. Um, but, you know, I always like to start off with sort of how you got in, interested in music as a kid. Like what was the thing that grabbed you with music and made you think this is going to be a part of my life? Oh, man, I was... Um, my mom would drop me off at this place uh, to be babysat all day before I'd started the first grade. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> there was this older guy that was there. He must have been maybe about like 17, 18 years old. He was super cool, but he would let me take the uh, like the coat hanger, like cardboard sticks off, you know, and like beat on pillows and pots and pans. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like he would always play like Twisted Sister or Quiet Riot, um, Ramones, and then like the real heavy hair band stuff started, and I just thought that that was awesome. Yeah, you yeah. Know? And and like I would beat on anything and everything, and it became super wild and super obnoxious. And um, I was always like into the hair stuff, and then um, started skateboarding and hanging out with you know people that love the same thing. But the first time I'd ever like heard punk rock. You know, I was at a I was at a super young age and got introduced to it. It seemed like it kind of crept up slow, right along with like the thrash metal stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was like, um, 
growing up all through elementary school, listening to hair bands and going to those concerts at the Carolina Coliseum. Like my first concert was like Poison and Tesla. Okay. But before that, <laughs> my mom would just drag me to like the Doobie Brothers and all that crap. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I was super bored, but I still loved it for some strange reason. Yeah. And uh, I just got into that hair band stuff, and that it lasted until like like really good thrash came on the scene. Um, and then I was like, Oh man, this is, this is awesome. So ditch the hairspray and, you know, ended up, you know, building some muscles in my neck from headbanging, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, a lot of us went that route, you know, we, the, the, the hair stuff and we, we really, I talked about this recently. We really didn't call it that back in the day, but, um, the hair stuff for lack of a better, better term was, was pretty popular. So it was easy to get into that, but you know, then you start yeah. discovering the, the thrash stuff like the, you know, Megadeth, Metallica, all that stuff. And you start hearing the, that, that's sort of your gateway into punk rock too. Uh, that, yeah, they were and, calling and, it and skateboarding, like you said, you know. Yeah, they were calling it like heavy metal, yeah. you know. And then like you'd go to the bookstore. Like I used to try to find like every single book I could, like on uh, like all those hair band, like being like worshiping the devil and everything like that. Yeah. I thought those I thought those books were so rad. And um, I look for those books know, all the time now, but I can't find them. I, I'd love to run across uh, like just a, a stash of those. <laughs> oh yeah, and you see like the pictures of wasp, and you're like, oh, that is evil, you know. <laughs> yeah. but, but it would it would just be it would just be amazing, man. And then you'd see bands that like they were just dressed like women, and the preachers were going crazy, and they were lighting the records on fire, you know. And this <laughs> is like. I was like, damn it, man. I wish I had all those records. They were burning up, you know? Yeah, yeah. I remember when, oh. when Poison came out, my dad was like, my dad thought they were were girls. But he's like, oh, that's a pretty good song. Yeah, I told him, I was like, it's not girls, it's, it's guys. He's like, it's a pretty good song. I'm like, man, I don't know if I like <laughs> yeah. Poison that much anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They never really were one of my favorite bands, you know? Yeah. Like, that. I mean, I God, dude, I saw them. I, it must have been it was like poison and motley crew and it was up in charlotte i think it was like 2014 yeah and that was a rather disappointing show oh yeah I think that, that, that that was like right when like you know vince started to, Bazoo, Bazoo, <laughs> you know like yeah. all that stuff but it was it was still cool to see it but man they it's nice to see them running around the stage all old and fat yeah yeah I mean, I'm, I'm i'm glad they're all still out there doing it if they want to do it that's you know i i don't have a problem with that and i don't have to go see it but because uh, i've seen poison a couple of times i think twice and yeah. uh you know one time i got it was for free so i was i was definitely going but you know they're, they're you know they were not that great live i never saw them back in their heyday i saw them sort of on those reunion tours <laughs> back yeah. in the early 2000s that's cool though but. I mean, it's, I've I've never gotten to see Rat or anything like that. Uh, I got to see Alice Cooper. Yeah, so yeah. I was I, I love Alice Cooper. I got to see him. Um, I think he opened up for Iron Maiden one time up in Charlotte. We caught that show. Yeah, yeah. It, it was pretty awesome too because I was like walking up the steps and we were late and I was trying to get there to see Alice Cooper and we were super 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 late and I walked right up to the top of the stairs after coming in and then he was just like school's out for summer I was like yeah, yeah. he's like thinking goodnight and I was like damn <laughs> but then I had to wait to like two years before he came to the Coger Center here in Columbia and I got to watch the whole thing yeah yeah and that was pretty rad I'm, I'm going to see him. I like Alice Cooper I'm going to go see him this this coming Sunday in Spartanburg so that, that'll be a, a good show it's, he's always a good show I, he's one of the few that like when he comes around I'm like ah, I guess I gotta spend 50 bucks to go see Alice cooper i think it's been a little bit more than that this time but yeah uh, does he still have that chick playing guitar for him yeah well she's she like, she left to go play with demi lovato for a little while but she's back now like 
Oh, that's uh, cool. At least for this tour. <laughs> I she's guess. really good. Yeah, she's really good. I mean, in a way, though, because I've seen her a few times now, in a way, I was kind of really kind of hoping to get to see Kane Roberts because he came back and played in her place for while she was gone. Wow. Uh, and I've never seen him, but, you know, Nita is probably the better guitar player. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And, definitely and, and more, so, fun, more fun to watch, too. So <laughs> I'll just leave yeah, it yeah. at that. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> all, all the feels packed into the whole experience there. She's, oh, yeah. It's definitely worth it, man. She's awesome. Yeah. And like, what is she like? Twenty five, something like that. Uh, she's probably a little bit older than that, but she's 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 young. She's young. Yeah. <laughs> she's, I wish yeah. I was that old again. <laughs> so, <laughs> what, when did you get sort of like you sort of we kind of got to where you sort of started to find like heavier music and punk rock and stuff? When did you first pick up an, an instrument? Uh, I started playing guitar whenever I was around eight years old, I think. Was um, were there like any other musicians in the family or? Yeah, I mean, there's there's lots of musicians and artists in the family. Um, I have my cousins, and they they play in various like you know bands, like cover bands, like three hour sets and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but you know, there's no metalheads. I was the first to to stay in the dive bar scene yeah. um, out of the family. But um, yeah, it was a. Uh, it was pretty interesting growing up listening to them and like everybody was either painting or always playing an acoustic guitar, like playing with a queen of hearts, like that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah. And I was like, Oh God, that rocks. And then, um, it, it was just, it was very influential. And even though the music that they listened to it, it was never my favorite. They were always just pleasant. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So it really, I, I, my grandfather bought me my first guitar. It was like a Eddie Van Halen lookalike guitar. I thought oh, yeah. it was the coolest thing. It was from Sears or Kmart or something like that. Yeah, I think I remember seeing those in the catalogs. <laughs> yeah. So I got one of those suckers and I got like a little tiny look, like little crate amp and I would just learn, try to like do like one finger. I didn't know what a power chord was until I went to Sims Music and got lessons. And I, I was never able to like read music or anything. I always, I always just play chords and just scream a lot. You yeah, know what I mean, yeah. Like leave all the shredding up to somebody who knows that that end of it. You know? Yeah, exactly. But it's it's fun. That's why that's why punk works for me, man. Because that's what for me too. Like I've I've said it many times on this podcast, but it was it was basically punk rock that showed me that I could do it. Yeah, yeah. Because I, yeah, I I love that that hair metal and stuff, but I couldn't shred like that. I, I held, held a guitar. I'm like, how did they make it make those noises? But I could figure out how they played the punk rock noises. <laughs> yeah, I figured out how to make the squeals and stuff like that. You know, like you know, holding the pick and be like, Meow! you know, and like doing all the feedback, and that's pretty cool. That was that was fun, but still, yeah. it's not a dominant trait that I chase after. You yeah. know, <laughs> um, but it's uh, like with me, it's always like less is more. You know, and. Um, I I don't know, man. Like the first, like the first time I heard the Ramones, it's just like it blew me away. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's just like I was like, oh my god, I never heard anything like that before. And I don't know, like me and my buddy just used to sit on the floor and we would just sit there Indian style until our legs were asleep, and we would just listen to Ramones tapes, skate to the mall, and like just blast that stuff all day. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes it was more you know fun than skating all day because we just go home and listen to Ramones. Yeah, it was awesome. But, um, yeah, I mean, just uh, playing guitar, um, I started playing a lot of, like, metal. I learned palm muting, um, listening to a lot of uh, – I got into a lot of, like, Deliverance, Vengeance Rising, Slayer, um, and Anthrax. Anthrax was one of my big, like, 
big favorites. Like State of Euphoria was like one of my top favorite albums. And I think like State of Euphoria and Injustice for All had come out in the same year. Yeah. yeah. And and uh, like State of Euphoria was like my all time favorite. And then when I when I heard Antisocial and Be All End All and um, uh, dude, it was just it blew me away. And um, it, it, I was like, screw hair metal, dude. You know, <laughs> it's all oh, dude. I I ditched it like a like a dumb girlfriend you know yeah yeah but uh yeah i was just starting to learn how to play like that it was just whenever somebody was like you know scott he's a shitty guitar player i'm like no he's not you know (laughs) and i i'm really happy that he's playing with mr bungle and i just think it's amazing yeah i I really i really love the new stuff even though i love the weird stuff you know yeah (laughs) i'm I'm, I'm all about the weird bungle but the, the metal bungle is my favorite that's the original like they were way ahead of their time, man, and it's just it's beautiful to see it come together like that, you know. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I've always been a big fan of of, of Anthrax and, and Scotty, and so I, I'm right there with you. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you one thing. I don't know if we're jumping ahead of anything here, but oh man, if we go if we go up to New York with Bella Mauer and and like those guys pop in there just to say hey, how you doing? I'm I might have to wear a diaper. Yeah, that'd be pretty awesome. Uh, yeah, that, that that could very well happen. <laughs> very very well we're, yeah, yeah. we're sitting on some percentages here i'm hearing yeah, but yeah. you know i'm not i'm not gonna i'm not gonna rely on it too much and i just did this disappoint myself you know. <laughs> I'll, I'll guess hey it's kind of like when somebody says it's got mayonnaise on it and i don't even ask if it's dukes i just gotta wait for the taste <laughs> but, but yeah man it's like i don't know i love all that stuff yeah. it was great so i think i saw anthrax like 1991 like with the original clash of the titans tour yeah so yeah, and, and I was I was lucky. I didn't we get to see him until just a few years ago. I saw him at, at Tremont one time, and the time that I saw him at Tremont, Scott Ian ended up sick, so he didn't even play. Um, so oh. they played with just one guitar player, which was and it was ended up being a, a killer show. I was kind of glad it happened that way. But I've seen him since with with Scott Ian, but that was like with uh, I can't remember with Slayer and Lamb of God and stuff. So they you know they played like thirty thirty minutes, but they they killed it that day. <laughs> they they were the best oh, band. Wow. I would love to have seen him in um, Tremont Music Hall, man. That that place, like I've been, I saw the Descendants there in '97 when when yeah. they did the uh, Everything Sucks tour. Yeah, um, I think that's the last punk show that I saw there because I went to a lot of raves in that joint and I yeah. had a lot of fun. Ate a lot of good drugs. Yep, it was great. <laughs> that, that Anthrax show, it was it was a few years ago. It was like the, the, the last year they were open. They played there. It was them and, and Exodus. It was it was a great show. It was kind of a last oh. minute decision too because I was. I was out of town to go see They Might Be Giants up in Asheville, and, and I'm like, man, that Anthrax show is tomorrow night. I sent Eric a message. I'm like, hey, man, if I buy tickets to go see Anthrax, you go with me? He's like, yeah. I was like, all right, bought. <laughs> yes. Um, Can't turn that down at all. Yeah. Oh, man. All right, so you, so you started playing guitar at, at eight. Um, did you, like, take a while before you really kind of got good on it, or, or did you start playing it pretty well playing a band <laughs> or anything like that oh <laughs> uh, man almost immediately started like jamming with folks like sitting around the house like having friends play a keyboard with a little drum machine on it or something yeah, you know yeah, we'd like yeah. we'd like write stupid songs and i still have like some some of those moments on audio on tape and um we'd stick the tape in like a little jam box i still have the jam box and like lay it on the floor and just record stuff you know yeah. and um it was it was just stupid, but it was writing, and we would like write songs and write lyrics all day, and screw up on our homework assignments because we were writing lyrics. And um, my first real band, um, 
I think that happened around the age I was in middle school. I want to say maybe seventh grade. Yeah, and we were we were called the dirty recruits or something like that, and like we were like borderline like hair metal, but like we were still into that thrash stuff. So yeah. it was like kind of you'd hear like the what and the you know the vibrato and the vocals and everything, but we try to be like Bruh! yeah, <laughs> but you know we we were kids, so it just sounded like a little panda getting you know somebody having their way with it. But um, it was it was fun and it was cool, but. I left. That's one of the things that I left too. Whenever I got into punk and started skating, I was like, "Screw this!" I actually got kicked out, and that was the best thing that ever happened to me because, like, within two weeks, I was like skating with a bunch of dudes and heard like No Effects and the Ramones. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, like, when I heard No Effects, it was like like uh, White Trash, Two Heaps, and a Bean was already out, but the first No Effects that I ever heard was Ribbed. Okay. Yeah, and we were. We were riding in a car trying to go bum change to go get cigarettes and heard no effects for the first time. And I heard new boobs. That was my first no effects song. Yeah. <laughs> so and I was like, all right, boobs. I like this band. That's you know, a, so I mean, that's a pretty good way to, to hook somebody at that age is <laughs> to have a song yeah. about boobs. <laughs> yep. Yep. And uh, it was awesome. And like, oh, man, just it, the, every song on that record is just it's. You know, you can't beat it. I yeah. love it. Now, now, where did you grow up? So, did you grow up in around Columbia, or are you from somewhere else? Columbia, Irmo. Um, that's why I'm always blasting Irmo on stage because I make fun of it. Like yeah. I make fun of, <laughs> like I make fun of Hootie, and I am not. I'm not a Hootie fan at all. And it's just fun, and yeah, you know, we're yeah. punk, so we we say just dumb shit on stage all yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah. But um, Irmo sucks, and it's it still sucks. And every time you're every time you're in Irmo, you're like, "What the hell are we gonna do?" And you're like, "I don't know what you want to do." And like my whole life, I've either wanted to move downtown or move to North Carolina. And yeah. well, I'm downtown now, so it's, it's all right. I can walk anywhere, and it's like, and I have a car, but it's like you know, downtown Columbia. It's like, you know, when Greenville started to be cool, mm-hmm. that's what Columbia is now. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So we got some bands passing through here finally because after Rockefeller shut down in like 19, I think 90, beginning of 1998 maybe. Yeah. Um, I, I could be mistaken, but it was around then. Um, it was a spoonful show. Damn hippies were outside, a Grateful Dead cover band, and we were supposed to go in there and DJ, and they shut the place down. And ever since then, the punk scene tried to do a lot of things, but it never really caught like Rockefeller's had it by the balls, yeah, yeah. you know? I mean, dude, everybody was coming through here, and the scene was just huge. Yeah, I, I went down there for a few shows. Uh, after we saw Green Day down there right before they broke big. Uh, yeah, I was at that show. For. Yeah, were you at the one when Inhumanity opened it? Yep. Is yeah. that the one? I, th- yeah. I, think it was, yeah. I think it was that one. Yeah, anyway. that's the one where I think Tilt canceled yeah, and yeah. Inhumanity played. And yeah. then they came here twice, and – um, actually three times and I missed the first time I was so pissed. My mom wouldn't let me like leave the house cause I was in 12 and I watched all my friends get in a car and go see green day. I was like, shit, you know, but, um, yeah, dude, and that's good times. man. Yeah. I mean, everybody passed through here, you know, I mean the damn red hot chili peppers play on that damn stage, you know, yeah, now yeah. look at them. 
They're terrible. <laughs> I agree. I agree. You know, whatever. I even used to, I used to fall in that camp of being like, well, their old stuff's good. Now I'm like, man, fuck that old stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like when blood sugar sex magic came out, dude, that was a great album. We spent all summer, you know, by pool, you know, playing pool in the pool, skateboarding everywhere. Listening to that. I've got, it's like Pennywise unknown road. That record forever will be like a summertime anthem for me. You yeah. Know? Yeah. But it's just like every time I hear, you know, Blood Sugar Sex Magic is like the one, the, you know, it's like 50 minutes of me not hating that band. And then it goes right back to it. <laughs> you know? So it's just that the new stuff is just stop. It's like, stop, stop, just stop. Yeah. But, you know, teach their own, I guess. <laughs> All right. So we were, we're talking about um, you <laughs> playing in a band and then you kind of sort of left because you found punk rock or, or whatever and no effects and then i think that's where we kind of got off the rails a little bit or or not off the rails we just kind of got on the tangent yeah dude like switching over to punk rock from the metal stuff it was it was a lot of fun and i had met uh a buddy in middle school named matt anderson and already had a neighbor across the way that we were all skating with and he wanted to sing and we had our buddy John, who was not a good drummer, but he had a drum set. So mm-hmm. we we got together and we got to play at the Golden Spur one night, and that's here at um, it's in the Russell House. And I'm sure you heard Chuck Walker talking about some of the classic Bedlam Hour shows that yeah. were in that same room. Um, we got um, luckily we felt like we won the lottery. We got asked to come play at this like battle of the bands kind of thing. And we just, we just got up there and just did Ramones covers. And I've still got this VHS tape. Like all of us are wearing like huge blind pants from the skateboarding company. And they're like, they're massive. We all look like we're wearing parachutes. <laughs> um, those clothes were so baggy and we were so tiny. And like, we got up there and played that show and it kicked off. And now, you know, Matt's not a singer anymore, but he's a, he's an excellent songwriter and Matt's playing with us now. Okay. Cause, um, Eric kind of had some, um, some medical stuff happened and um i called matt and he's been here for a few years now matt's like he was uh i think he was a merch dude for the descendants for a while knows all those guys really well he was mm-hmm. in revolvers um i think he subbed in for inhumanity he says he never played with them but i swear to god i was at <laughs> some shows where he played with them um matt's list of bands are just you know through the roof that he's yeah. played with he is an amazing musician a great drummer good friend old dude so it's you know he definitely packs a punch mm-hmm. but um i've been playing with him for a long time we were in game boy together um back in the day so we always played shows with like inhumanity self premonition um oh god day county resistance lifeline um unheard mm-hmm. um now I never played with Ass Factor Four. I saw Ass Factor Four. Yeah. My first, my first punk rock show. Matt took me to this warehouse where it used to be Stronghold Gymnasium off Huji Street, but it used to be the old Inhumanity practice space. Mm-hmm. And when you walked in there, like the floor was like had forty nine reasons spray painted on the floor, and you'd go in. There was like six or seven different rooms you could go into. All of them were just filled with kids smoking cigarettes, hanging out. Yeah, you know, and, and it was it was awesome. It was the most incredible thing I'd ever seen. And so we had started a band called Merlin and we took, we took like these old Ramon songs that we were playing, sped them up really fast. Matt started playing drums and became like really fast, like Marky Ramon on the hi-hat, you yeah. know? 
Um, and we just, I learned, I started learning how to play fast because Matt was playing fast and we just, we just, we just fed off each other and we had that band until 1997 and then it just kind of broke up. Okay. How old were you when you started that band? Oh, let's see. Merlin, we were in middle school and all through high school we had Game Boy. Yeah. And we were playing all the shows at Rockefellers. I mean, we got to, God, dude, we played, we got to open for Blink, um, I've seen you post some flyers from it. You've played with some pretty impressive people. Yeah. I mean, we, Bouncing Souls, Seven Second Show, mm-hmm. uh, Blank, Blank 77, um, all kinds of cool stuff. Yeah. And every time Art Burke just, there's 50 bucks. There's 50 bucks. <laughs> yeah. There's 50 bucks. And we were like, shit. But he he put us like on the good stuff. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that sounds good to me. 50 bucks and get to play with some killer bands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we'd sell merch too, you know. And every time we got done, man, we'd always hit the Wobble House. Yeah. You know. So it was a blessing, as they say around here. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, it, it was rad. It was good times. I'm, I'm glad every single second of it happened, you know. So and it was, was, you it, said the name of the band was Merlin, but then it was it the same band that became Game Boy? Yeah, we yeah. changed it to we changed it to Game Boy. Matt thought about it, and he was just like, "That's a good, that's a good day for a band, even though it's like a handheld device." <laughs> you know, I was like, oh, "Okay, whatever, I don't care." So I'm, I'm pretty easy going. It's so um, it's better than Merlin. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, all band names are kind of shitty when you get right down to it, but. I think Game yeah. Game Boy is better than Merlin. <laughs> yeah, Game Boy is a little better than Merlin, and, and I mean it, it stuck, and people remembered it, and people still ask for those damn tapes, man. Yeah, and yeah. it's on SoundCloud. You can just look up Game Boy the Band.
and it's like you'll see pictures of like Gordon Elliott when he was a kid, like nerdy glasses. That's us. Yeah. <laughs> so we always use stupid pictures of people for covers of our stuff. So and we always recorded either live at Rockefellers or went to Jam Room. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's a uh, it's pretty awesome, man. We had a, we had a good time. Yeah. So you said that went on until about ninety seven. 96, 97, something like that, right on the cusp. Yeah. Because, like, we broke up. Our our last show was at a talent show because we always wanted to play um, for, a, like, a thing at Irmo High School in the talent show. And, like, the one year before where we didn't play, it was packed all the way to the back. There was this boy band that played. Mm-hmm. And, like, everybody and their mother came to see the boy band we wanted to get up in there and we wanted to play well i think our bass player ended up having to work so we couldn't play that show so the next year we played and there must have been about 14 people in this whole cafeteria we were like damn it (laughs) but good thing about it is i had the same damn jam box and i still have that sucker the one i mentioned earlier and when i I took the son bitch and i put the tape in it and i laid it on its back and i pressed play and record at the same time and recorded that set and that's on that's on SoundCloud too, okay. but um, yeah, it's it's pretty rad, man. So that was the last show, and they got kind of mad at me that night because you know I uh, wanted to go to a rave. So I, <laughs> so I, I had this blue minivan and like gutted the seats out, and I'd pack that damn thing filled with ravers, and we went up to Charlotte and ate a bunch of pills. Yeah, <laughs> it was great. <laughs> so that's a good thing about having a van, you know, you like load people in the van, they give you drugs. Yeah. <laughs> I'll like drive. <laughs> yeah, I'll drive, but you're driving later. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah dude, it, it was, it was a lot of fun, man. But that was like 97. And then after that, like there was no bands for a long time. Okay. But you said you were into the raves. I know you, you do that. You DJ did, did that start around that time or is that something you picked up here? Yeah. I started uh, I started DJing in '97, and um, I bought two crappy turntables until I could afford to get two Technique 1210s, mm-hmm. and then started buying vinyl. And by then, you know, all, all the singles and everything were vinyl, dude. I mean, it was so badass, you yeah, know. Yeah. And uh, digital, no CD, like CD players for DJs hadn't even come out yet. Yeah. And or they were, they might have been out, but the interface for it was just so like, what the hell is that? <laughs> you know, it's like, you can't see shit. So it was like uh, playing vinyl, playing in clubs, getting up there. I got to play at Rockefellers twice before they closed. And that was fun. They had no monitor. So you had to rely on the stage because they would put the DJ booth where the sound booth was. Mm-hmm. If you remember that, that layout, that's quite a latency issue there yeah, for yeah. the DJ to get a tight mix. You know, <laughs> So it's, um, I learned how to play there and with all those kids in that scene then. And our bass player from Game Boy ended up living in this apartment where all these ravers lived and that's how i got really affiliated with all these people and going out of town and then just a brand new chapter of life just got dumped into my lap and i loved it because the scene was kind of weird here in columbia it was real touch and go people talking shit about everybody and it was just kind of getting old and i needed something new and i was gonna graduate so i was like i'm gonna go play raves yeah so 
And it was a lot of fun. And people, you know, my last name is Ray, Billy Ray. It's the worst name on the planet. But the funny part about that is, is everybody's, everybody started calling me Billy Raver. And I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> and I don't, I don't care, man. It's just like, I'm going to do, I'm going to go do what I'm going to do. If I just sat around, like, you know, waiting for, you know, people's opinions to make my life better, they could all, you know, just eat a bucket of shit. Yeah. yeah. You know? So I went and did what I wanted to do, and I had fun, and I learned how to make that music, and it kind of started to pay off because I, I got to put on a few record labels eventually, like you know around 2006, 2007, mm -hmm. skip up to that point because I had a lot of downtime because uh, just some medical issues and the family and children and church and stuff like that. Yeah, My whole yeah. life changed, whole different areas, but um, but yeah, man, it was. I still do it because I'm good at it and I really enjoy it and it's a lot of fun and the people are amazing. Yeah, you know? yeah. So it's really cool. That's awesome. I don't think yeah. I've ever talked to anybody that does that like 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 you do on on the side or you know as as, as another thing that they do on on the podcast yet. Yeah, man. It's um you know it's music and the, the one of the things that I I can I learn to laugh at it now. And I, I'm, I try to be very respectful about it. But, like, you know, there are a lot of people out there that, you know, they're like, you're pushing buttons and you, you, got, you ain't doing the damn thing. Well, it's just like, you know, when, when you see a DJ, they might not be doing all the stuff that it actually took to make that track. Yeah. You know, someone made that track. Someone took note for note, beat by beat, laid it out and sequenced everything and put it all together. You know, usually it takes, you know, four people to get a band going really, really good. But you got most of the time you got one dude cooking up this tune. Oh, yeah. You know, and it takes a long time to make that music, man. Unless you just loop something, drag it out forever. But that sucks, you know. But it's like there, there's just so many different elements to it. And it's just you got to get the sound right and the mastering right. And you got to get those, you know. So much stuff is consistently coming out to make things sound good, mm -hmm. except for autotune. Autotune blows. Anybody that <laughs> uses that stuff, I hear it everywhere. It's like I need to start carrying like a you know colostomy bag or a vomit bag or, or something. <laughs> Stand it. <laughs> Terrible. I hate that. I know I sound like an old man now. <laughs> I, I was never really into that kind of music, but when um when I was married, I, I the house I lived in, a guy that I went to high school with ended up living next door to me, and we weren't friends in high school because we're like way different people but uh but right. that's why that's what he did and we got to be really good friends and and i i, I grew an appreciation of it from him like watching him do it and going to go see him spin and going out with him to go see other guys spin um you know i i never yeah. really was into the rave culture or anything like that but it was i definitely grew an appreciation for for what a, an art form it actually is just kind of yeah, learning dude. a little bit more about how it's how it's all done and then going i can't i can't do that shit <laughs> Like, over a period of time there, like, I've always been the person, like, regardless of the type of genre of music that I'm into, I will go up where it's happening, mm -hmm. you know? And I was really, really thankful that I took that trait into the rave scene because there's a lot of people, when I started going to raves that I was friends with, that are dead now because they stayed in the back corner doing the drugs yeah. while I ran up to the other corner where the DJ was trying to hang off the side of it to see what damn buttons he was pushing, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I was geeking out on that stuff. And rave culture is, you know, it's like you can get in a lot of, you know, some dark, deep, stupid shit being in the punk scene too, man. There's a oh, lot yeah. of people with some crazy ass drinking problems and shit. And it's like, it's really no different. You know what I mean? You, oh, yeah. It's just, it's up to you where you want to go with it. But, um, it's just like, I mean, I just got to follow the entertainer, you know? 
I just got to find out what's going on whenever I see something happening. Find out how they do that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I'm, I'm really glad that I have that in me to go because I like to live. I don't want to die. You know? I agree but, with that. Yeah. 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 But it's just ravers aren't all druggers and you know stupid people and stuff. Oh, There's right. some yeah. talented, classically trained individuals that are making some wonderful music in that department. Now. Definitely. Yeah. Oh yeah. After that, like, how, how long was it before you d- decided to play in a, in a punk band again, or in a band, period, I guess? I was, um, let's see, what one of the things here, had, around the year 2000, um, came back from living in Atlanta, uh, had some kids, started going to church, and it was like, I was almost a, um, a children's pastor, mm-hmm. um, and then had some, had lost a child, things went kind of bonkers yeah um and i just kind of ran away from it and pretty much uh bad marriage resulted in me really pursuing music again and i had to just dive into it 100 percent. so i started i picked up djing got signed on um a couple of different record labels and that was from like 2005 to basically 2008 mm-hmm. and then 2008 came and my mom calls me actually in 2007 she calls me she says you're never gonna guess where i am and i said you're right but i don't know where you are so maybe i'm guessing you're out (laughs) west doing something crazy and she goes i am out west and where i am i'm taking you out here next year and i said well okay where are you at and she says i'm in telluride colorado at telluride bluegrass festival and i'm bringing you out here next year and sure enough by the time the festival was over she'd made plans got a new place to rent for the mm-hmm. next year and she's gonna take my ass out there so we flew out to colorado i get to the telluride it's ten thousand feet in elevation in a box canyon the only way in is the only way out and it's just a waterfall coming through the whole town it's beautiful it's yeah. perfect and uh I got bit by the bluegrass bug pretty hardcore. Okay. Like I went, I think I went five or six times after that every year. Like I was just like, I gotta go to Telluride. And then um, I come back home and my um, my wife, that was my girlfriend at the time, like we we went all psycho for bluegrass and started trying to find every single bluegrass festival we could possibly find. We had so many great adventures together, and I formed a band called the Black Iron Gathering. On the beaches we were walking, I remember we were talking about all the things we had to done together in the sunny weather. Then it started raining, it was like you let the pain aside. Then you started crying again, weeping again. kind of punk infused bluegrass and met some amazing musicians um camped out and it's like every weekend was a new damn adventure kids or not because the kids were loving it man they were running around going to all these bluegrass festivals they had it made mm-hmm. you know and um so that band lasted from about 2011 to about 2000 and uh, i don't know 18 or 19 
19. Our last show was something around there. But um, Soda City had started in 2015, right around the the flood in Columbia. And Eric was our drummer in Black Iron after I'd met him in Soda City. Because Black Iron's done gone through some members, man, because we're all uh, drinking problems. So, but uh, yeah, dude, that, that was... Up until that Soda City riot point, Black Iron played a lot of like really good bluegrass festivals. Um, traveled everywhere. Yeah. Um, it was it was a pretty large commitment, and it was pretty challenging. We had some really good pickers with us, and we had a lot of ins and outs with people, but we're all still friends. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I was like Chris, our bass player in Soda City. He was in Black Iron too. He was the last bass player. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. You still like making music with you know with some of the same guys because I I love that. I've been making music with Eric for for thirty years now, and I intend to keep making music with him as long as we can get along. So hopefully, yeah, man. hopefully we keep making we, we keep making music forever because I don't see me not getting along with that dude. Yeah, that that dude's all right, and that's good that you guys have that connection because that that means a lot. You know, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just like and, and you grow in so many areas together, and it's just like you know. The two of you probably complete each other's sentences while you're writing. You know? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's, I, I always say that you know he never really has to tell me what to do with the bass because it's it's almost like he knows what I'm going to write already anyway. Um, yeah. So we just we just he plays the, the the song and I'm like, let me try this and it's like that works. I'm sticking with it and he's like he's happy with it. But yeah, it's, yeah it's almost dude, like he writes. Awesome. It's almost like he writes the song for the for the bass lines I'm I'm I have in my head at the moment anyway. <laughs> yeah. That's magic right there, man. Yeah, yeah. I love it. It's like Roger, he'll throw lyrics at me, and I instantly can like hear him sing it, and I know how he like pauses, you know? Mm-hmm. So like I, I have this like rhythmic pattern. And like to tell you the truth, it's a, it's a wonderful thing, and it's also a bad thing because it's a hard thing to outgrow, yeah, you know? Yeah. And so like when you're looking to get it, when you're looking to get stretchy, you really got to start listening to each other as far as like what you're listening to, mm-hmm. you know? And then you're like, yeah, listen to that. Let's let's go for that, but still, let's make it us. Yeah. You know, it, it's so funny. Then, oh, go ahead, keep going. <laughs> I was just gonna say, then the work comes, you know. And so it's just like, yeah, yeah. I was, what I, are you gonna say? The only thing I was gonna say was like, sometimes like we'll, we'll be working on something and we'll be playing things that that neither both of us are going. I don't really know if this works or not, but it does work because it always ends up being what we play. Um, it's just yeah. it's, it's kind of there's some sort of magic to it. It's like. Even when it doesn't seem like it's going to work, it, it ends up just fitting in like it should. Yeah, it's cr- it's crazy too because we go we go on these things where it's like, it's like we try to we try to write these serious songs and Roger, the, the lyrics that that man spats out, he'll do like six or seven sets of lyrics and then you won't hear any more lyrics for about eight months. Mm-hmm. But like those lyrics will sit idle until like the perfect tune comes and like they always work. But every now and then, it seems right before a good batch of songs gets created, we always come up with the stupidest ass song right before things really get cooking. Yeah. <laughs> it's the strangest thing. Like, we had I Hate Jocks, and then we had this song never released called Derby Girls. And then, like, right when we wrote those songs, like, eight songs came out of nowhere. And then we had Beer Porn and a Shitty Fucking Job. And then the other two songs just came out of nowhere that we ended up recording on that last thing that we did. And then I, we just wrote a song the other day called uh, uh, 
hey, hey, I don't want to go to work now. That's yeah. all. That's all. And that's all it says during the song. <laughs> but it's just like it is the stupidest, poppiest little catchy thing. But it's like, I mean, if you had that as a ringtone, it would drive everybody in your office crazy because they wouldn't be able to stop singing it. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> just that kind of a thing. But like we know the pattern because here comes a tsunami. You know, mm. it's, it's weird. You're feeding off each other like that. You know, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's, man, I love it. It's good when you get to that point. That's why, even though we've been having some some internal problems lately, we've really been trying to trying our best to keep it all together because we don't want it to end because it's it's just so easy to to do it. But like I said, me and Eric will keep working together anyway. So whatever happens, happens. <laughs> oh yeah, but, the more demos, the better, man. Just yeah. you know, toss them back and forth. Just keep keep it going. Water the plant. Yep, yep, for sure. Yeah, man. So you started Soda City Right, you said in 2015. That that's the band you still play in. Yeah, it was like 2015. We started it because he was he was my realtor and uh, got the house, got in, and then he had called me out of the blue one day and he was like, "Hey, you want to start a you want to start a punk band?" And I was like, "Yeah, I got some back burners mm-hmm. and." I had we have a song called Yachts and Wars, which was the first melody that was ever written for the band. so pissed off what was going on with FEMA um, and everything around here that we wrote uh, Burn the City and then um, Structure Fuck uh, but I've gotten some flack on that one because everybody thinks I'm making fun of Christianity and it's not about Christianity yeah. it's about Kenneth it's about Kenneth Copeland yeah. that big turd mm-hmm. but um, that was the first three that we wrote now take your over and over and over again and got eric and chris in and you know we were it was really really cool and we were playing some ramon songs too just to like you know get our chops going yeah that was a lot that van huskin started the same way <laughs> yeah 
And we just, um, I don't know, it, it just kind of grew. And at the time, I was working for a company uh, called Rebath, and they had this huge warehouse. And the owners of this company were so awesome, genuinely lovely people. And they were just like, we want you to come in here and just practice in here. You can leave your equipment in the corner. You can do all, everything you want. It was just this big, yeah. massive warehouse that they haven't even filled up yet because they just opened the business. And so we were like, okay, not a problem. So we had keys to the joint. There was a refrigerator. In the wintertime, it was awesome because we'd open the big door and keep the beer outside. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. And we just, just had a ton of fun. We had too much fun with too much time, and we really, really grew into something that – we started playing shows and then people started coming to shows and then it was started hooking up with other bands and the network thing just kicked off really quick. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, yeah, we just, we, we were kind of hoping to continue to make our city like a place that, that would have a good pulse. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that, that was kind of tough and tiring to do. I used to book a lot of shows around here, but now I don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got tired. I'm old man, but not too old, but. Yeah, yeah, I'd rather I'd rather just play. Yeah, I don't mind the booking of the shows. I haven't been booking a lot lately, just because I don't want to book too far out when we don't know what we're doing right now. It's just it's just just in case yeah. I don't want I don't want to have to cancel a whole bunch of shows. But um, I, I do need to start booking a few more because I we played one this past weekend and it went well. And I just you know I, I love playing and we haven't done enough of it here in the past year or so. Um, yeah, the um I I'll get. I'll get a little burnt out. I'll start booking a whole lot. Mm. And on top of the writing and on top of like, you know, um, not only booking us, but booking other shows for people because, you know, you got to keep that network going. Mm -hmm. um, I have just started to send everybody to Rick down in Charleston. Yeah. And I'm just kind of like, you know, you could try to get a show here in Columbia. We got a big, big, big metal scene. And you could try to hop on Art Bar, but that's a fight because there's a weight to play there. And that place is such a great place to play. Mm -hmm. And then New New Brooklyn's blowing up right now, man. I mean, it seems like every night is a sold-out show there. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, they're really, they really turned the place. They flipped it inside out and just made it glorious again, you know? And um, it's really awesome what's going on here in Columbia. But it's just like, man – it's like the punk scene down in Charleston is just on fire, dude. Yeah, we need and, to get down there. I mean, yeah, and it's just everybody is just having fun when they go down there. And there's a there's a house show scene. There's you know Ten Roof. There's all kinds of stuff, and the promoters down there are super cool. Everybody's taken care of, and it's it's really nice, you yeah, know. Yeah. Um. So that's what I've been doing for a while. They're like, "Can we come to your town and play?" I'm like, "No, go to Charleston." But it's like. <laughs> It's not that Columbia sucks. It's just, it, you know, people are hitting me up like, we want to come by there in two weeks. I'm like, dude, no, you know, yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't work like that, you know, but it's like every now and then we, we pop on some stuff. It's like, I got something eight months from now. You want to do that? And they'll be like, yeah. So we make that work. You yeah. Know? Yeah. <laughs> but I don't want shit on nobody. I'm just saying that's the reality of booking shows. You got to wait and there's a, there's a game you got to play, you know? Yeah. Got to wait on everybody to reply. Yeah. Every single person in the band has got wives, kids. Got to <laughs> wait for the yeses and the noes and all that stuff. Yeah, it's amazing, but I don't mind it. But just when it's you know continuously going, I'm just kind of like, oh, I get a little tired. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. But it's rad though. Yeah, bunch yeah. of good folks. But that Chuck Walker show that you did. Yeah, yeah. That that is um, it's amazing how 
everything fell into place. Do you mind if I mention this right quick? Yeah, I, I, I want to talk about um, you, you and Chuck because because he mentioned you and he, he he said my brother Billy Wright. I was like, oh, he must really like Billy a lot. Or <laughs> yeah, dude, it was um, oh, the the way that it happened was July twentieth at the Seven Second Circle Jerk Show mm-hmm. um, in Asheville. I'm standing there and I'm I, I'm I'm just minding my own business, drinking my water, waiting on the show to start. And my wife's like, "Hey, look, there's Kevin Seconds over there." She doesn't talk like that, but that's just my thing. <laughs> <Yeah, voice>. Okay. <laughs> and uh, and I was just like, "Oh yeah, yeah, there he is," you know. But there's like six people waiting to talk to him, and I'm just like, oh, "I'm not gonna get to talk to him." By the time I go over there and get to stand in line to talk to him, the show's gonna start, and I'm deaf, and I, I you know, I'm not gonna be able to hear anything. So. I turn around kind of disappointed and then I turn around one more time just to look at what I'm, you know, regretting. And then Chuck Walker standing right there talking with him, like, dude, appeared out of nowhere. And yeah. it's like, I'm just like, dude, if I don't go over there and interrupt that conversation, I am never, ever again going to see these two people in the same spot ever again. <laughs> So I ran over there and I interrupted like I didn't care. I rolled through there like that ball in Indiana Jones, yeah. and uh, and I interrupted him and like, like we talked for just a second, all three of us, and then it ended up be, just being me and Chuck because I'd mentioned that you know I you know I cover my mother doesn't know my punk rocker on like a solo thing that I did, mm-hmm. and then he was like, dude, I've been trying to like, get a hold of you, and like he started like talking, and then I started talking, and then we were just like. Holy crap! And then he was telling me that Bella Maurer is, you know, like gonna be getting back together pretty soon, and I was just like, dude, I've got a list of people that I need to send you, you know, so you can get the ball rolling, and you know, like, got them like situated with Larry, and then they talk. All I did was just like that, go talk to that guy, you yeah. know. So it's like <laughs> it's not like me that did it. I'm not saying that at all, um, but I said you should be a River Monster, dude. You should play here, here, and like. And all kinds of stuff. So it started rolling, and then he hit me up to ask me to do the vocals on um, Regeneration. And I was like, yeah. sure, um, which I thought I was going to miss the opportunity because at the time I had a computer that was going walk ass on me, and it was terrible. And I was like, <laughs> no. So I, it would have happened anyway. I would have gone down there and done it if I had to. But yeah. Um, but that's just how all that happened is just because – like. Just a dude, I could tell you a story about how much of a pain in the ass it was to get that song. My mother doesn't know I'm a punk rocker. I couldn't find it anywhere. And then there was a compilation and I had to order a copy from Japan yeah. to get this copy. And then it came in the mail and I had it. And then the week that I got that, we go up to Lunchbox Records and there's Sardonic and Sublime on the tape wall. And I'm like, <laughs> damn. And it, and it was just like, holy crap. And I got the tape for like five bucks. And I was just, it's so good. That side A is recorded at Jam Room. Side B is a live show at Rockefellers. And it's so good. Yeah. It's so good, dude. Yeah. And, um, I, yeah, I never got to see Bella Maurer when I was a kid. I, I had just missed it. And, you know, Chuck went his way and went to college and all this stuff started happening in his life. And then I was just like, oh, no. So I got my seven inches and I got all the stuff that I wish I could have seen. I saw some videos of them dressed up in their costumes. And mm-hmm. I've seen the actual costume sitting up at uh, WUSC before. Um, I didn't get to smell it. I heard it smells really <laughs> bad. But, you know, it's, I just felt like I missed it, and which I totally did. But I keep it in my heart. But now it's like, holy crap, we get we get to go play together and we get to go have fun. And he's the nicest dude, you know? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, man. It's I, like, I don't it's, know it's him, but awesome. just, just from my interview the other day, I could tell. Like, he, I, I figured out he's he's super super nice. Yeah, it's just I, dude. There was a Rockefeller's reunion show, I think maybe in 2012 or 2013 or something, and I was standing out there and like Daniel Howell and Isabel's, Isabel's Gift and all these people were playing, and I was just like, ha, 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 that's good, and was just standing there, and all of a sudden I was just like. Hey man, how you doing? He's like, well, I'm doing great. And he was just a happy guy, and I was just like, what's your name? He's like Chuck Walker, and I was just like, Chuck Walker. <laughs> That's <laughs> like the first time I actually met him, and I got my picture taken with him, and like, it was just I was just like real quiet about it, and I was just like, yeah, I remember you in Virgin Iron Pants and and uh, Bella Mauer and all that stuff, man. And we got to talking a bit, and it kind of you know we got pulled aside, and I, I got just a little snidbit of a second. He probably doesn't even remember that. I was wearing some stupid ass hat and my shirt was all big. I was a fat ass, but, um, but it was, it was wild and I ran into him there. But the next time I saw him at that other show, I, I was just like, yes, I'm not, I'm not missing this opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. But it was incredible. That's awesome. But yeah, <laughs> I know it's like a little small blue ball floating in space. And so now you're playing the, the show with them in, in Charleston and Columbia and New York now. Oh uh, yeah. I'll, I'll go down to Myrtle Beach and the Charleston show and probably just do uh, an acoustic song okay, and join yeah, in yeah. on the um, song that I did the track on on the on the new EP for them. But uh, just full band, what we're doing, Columbia and New York. Columbia, okay, yeah. I, I was. I think maybe maybe Brandy and the Butchers playing one of those other shows with them or something. I, I don't remember. Anyway, it yeah, you're matter. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Because um, I think they're doing Myrtle Beach and. What Columbia? Yeah. yeah, that'll be that'll be a good show, man. I'll be at the so, one in Columbia. I've already I already got my ticket for it, so pretty excited about rad. that. Yeah, man, I'm excited to get my Frankenberry Moss shirt. <laughs> yeah, me so too. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty stoked about that. But it's just uh, I mean, it's just so cool how everything comes together, and it's just you know Larry bless his heart for River Monster, man. He you know like us all, you know he goes through some ups and downs, and like mm-hmm. I've I've had a lot of conversations with him when he's highly encouraged, and and sometimes when he's frustrated, you oh, know, yeah. because it's punk rock and it's it's a label, and he's he he like brings everybody in, and he's trying so hard, and I'm just like, dude, don't stop, do not give up, whatever you're doing, and if you need a break, go to the beach, pee off the balcony, vent a little bit, and come <laughs> back, you know, uh, pee in the pool, I don't care, but, you know, don't don't stop, because, like, everybody loves River Monster, and it's just like, if it's not going, sometimes how you think the flow should go, just remember there's other people that, you know, love it, oh, you yeah. know, and genuinely, like, really feel like it's their lifeline, you know what I mean? So it's just like the, it's oh man, he's done such so much good work for so many people. Oh yeah, definitely. It's just like I, I don't think he feels it, you know. But it's just <laughs> like it's just like you know how could you, you know? It's just he just lives a normal life, but he's just running river monster, you know, getting up, going to work, running river monster, getting up, going to work, running river monster. You know what I mean? Well, I know. Just I mean, I've got several friends that have have, have been involved in you know running little labels like that, and a lot of them have given it up. I mean, I I, I sort of dabbled yep. in it myself, you know. That was as being into punk rock in the 90s you kind of everybody pretty much put their had their own label for a little while to put their own demo cassettes on so we did yeah. our label that way and then then in the recent years i was like i wanted to start putting out cassette releases every now and then under gabba gabba hunt i've did a couple of them but man it's a lot of work <laughs> so so I, I i really really appreciate guys like larry and do do appreciate the ones that stick with it you know for sure because yeah. it's, it's it's really easy to give up on it 
um, because it's it pretty much is a labor of love, and yeah. and you've got to really really love it when you start losing money on it sometimes. Right, and and, and, and it's hopefully just, it's not always a, lo- a money losing situation, you know. But with the times when it is, it, it feels like you know, why the fuck am I doing this? <laughs> yeah, it it can creep up on you super fast. You know what I mean? And it's just. You know, you got to be real careful mentally with it, and you just got to put yourself into a good spot and maybe seek out, you know, the way that others feel for other ideas and everything. And I, I think Larry, he'll just, he'll just be real chill for a second. He'll get a little frustrated, but something always seems to come through. Yeah, and it, and it keeps it going. And that's what I really love about it is because you know, there's, there's just always something that's going to happen. You know, and I just think that he's got that favor resting on his shoulders. It's, it's almost like it's natural. We always got to go through something to give us a push. Yeah, yeah you know. Yeah, definitely. And I just think Larry's got something looking out for him, and it's it. I mean, it's I don't know. It's just genuine joy. Whenever I think about River Monster, that's really the word for it. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So, yeah, man, it's awesome. I totally get that for sure. Yeah. Now, I also want to talk about the the podcast, uh, both podcasts. Um, I know I don't think. Right House is really going right now, but, um, you know, the podcast that you've done, anything you want to talk about, you know, sort of leading up to any of that, too. I, you know, we, we skipped over a lot of things. Life-wise, people can go and listen to your podcast and sort of hear your whole story beyond, yeah. the, beyond the music, um, especially those last few episodes of Riot, Riot House and, you know, mm-hmm. the, the intro episode to uh, uh, Beauty and the Breakdown and, and sort of that first episode. Uh, so they can they can go and hear your story in, in a lot more detail by going to those places but anything you want to kind of put in this to kind of lead up to it or to to explain you know to talk about both of those podcasts a little bit yeah the um right house podcast was um it was, it's a lot of fun it's gonna kick back up as soon as i feel like it's right to do it yeah. i'm really trying to make it mobile because i'd like to go to the venues maybe to catch the bands early and set up and you know do little interviews and kind of transform it that way uh, but the last three episodes, as you had mentioned, you know, the, you go, you got sobriety checkpoint one, mm-hmm. you got Billy Bats interview, and then you got sobriety checkpoint two. And so between one and two, I had a nervous breakdown. Mm-hmm. I I quit drinking, and the clarity set in, and it was all nice and all. But you know, after after a while, I, I just didn't deal with uh, some wrecked emotions that I had. Uh, losing my child and you know transitioning from a completely shit-faced um, person that didn't have their shit together into somebody that had to deal with themselves in a lot of dark places. Mm-hmm. And then I found God through it. And a lot of people that quit drinking they find God through that way, as you know, like to fill a void. Um, but as I told you before, I was almost a children's yeah, pastor yeah. and my major in school was actually um eschatology um i was really pursuing that that's end time study i'm really into that because it's fascinating mm. and um but i understood like a real genuine presence and love for god and how you're supposed to be with people mm-hmm. and when i started to sober up and realize that i needed to make that connection again when i did it was like I'd never experienced this before in my life. So before I, I, I was pursuing God, I was drinking still because I've been drinking since I was 13. I've never gone this long without a drink. Yeah. And so now my story of beauty and the breakdown is my transition, my daily 
uh, progression and it's helping people to sober up, to find God, to, to, to understand that it's not what everybody tells you it is and to be at peace with yourself. And that's, that's really it. Yeah. And I, I throw in a lot of humor. Sometimes I'll say shit and damn it. <laughs> and, you know, I have sound effects and it's just something to really, you know, I try to pack in all the feels. So, you know, I, th- there's some very emotional moments for me on there and it's hard to contain myself. So I just, you know, I, I spit it in the microphone the way that it is, man, because I'm not, I'm not afraid to, you know, get emotional and to let someone know how I feel about something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's basically what it's there for. And cause I know a lot of people that hurt mm-hmm. and I know a lot of people that are angry for no reason. Because they just can't deal with society, and it's like we live, you know, in a digital age where people are basically, you know, if somebody disagrees with them because they posted something on their screen, they lose their shit. Yeah, you yeah. know, and it's just kind of like, whoa, calm down, have some dip. You know, it's <laughs> like there's several different ways to, you know, just reevaluate everything, and it's like once you take a couple of steps back and you just breathe a little bit, and you just, it's not worth getting angry about nothing. Really, nothing really is worth, you know hating your brother or your sister, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's just it's, it's some dumb shit going on everywhere. And so I'm just, I don't know. I just want to make an avenue for people to feel like they can be accepted, loved. Um, there's something out there that will fix you, and we all need to be fixed because we all suck. But <laughs> we're all, we're all, we all have the capability to love one another, you know? Yeah, yeah. I so, think and not- I think that that's... I was just gonna say I think it's pretty awesome. I, I listened to a couple of episodes and and I just I love that you're doing it and that you're not afraid to do it. Um, Thanks, man. Because that's a, that's a big part of, of of being. You know, if if you're a Christian, that's a big part of being it is, is not being afraid to be out there and let people know that you are. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it's I think it's pretty awesome, especially in in the the kind of music we play. There's not a lot of people that that are, you know, even into that or or that would be that out about it. You know. Right, uh, but you and and like Tiff, Tiff is another one that I can think of who is very open yeah. about about her religion. I just think that's super awesome. Yeah, she's very um, like I've, I've talked to her a few times, and she's very like I almost feel a little intimidated when I talk to her, mm-hmm. and it's intimidating for me personally. But I just like I like to push through just to really find out like what's cooking in there, you know, in like someone's heart. Yeah, and like you get her really talking about it, and like it's just like this knowledge and this peace and this overflowing of just love comes out of her. But then again, at the same time, she's so tied up by everything around her that she goes through, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's just like, it's wild to watch. And it's just like, none of us are perfect, but it's just like the love of God just flies out of that woman's mouth because out of the overflow of the heart, mouth speaks and she's, she's showing evidence of it. It's beautiful. Yeah. 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 That's super awesome. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Like Duke's mayonnaise, man. <laughs> it's just awesome. But yeah, man. So it's like not we're not forcing it on anybody. It's like it's there if you want to listen to it. If you don't like it, change the channel. Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. Um, so what what else? Is there anything else you want to talk about that we didn't cover or that we kind of skimmed over or um Uh We got some really cool stuff coming up, I think. In the next year, like yeah. we're gonna be going some really cool places. Um, we're, we're, we're kind of taking it slow, you know, we're not in a rush to do anything. I mm-hmm. think we're just going to be releasing singles for like the next two years. I mean, it's like screw doing an album. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Cause like every time a single comes out, we get to get a whole new line of merch and it's just, it fills up the table. And it's pretty cool. I don't know. We're just doing our own thing. 
like pro rock records didn't really work out for us um and it was just like what is this you know and then you know we we put something out it's fine that's behind us and mm-hmm. now we're just going to move forward and it's like i'm gonna just dump everything on river monster and yeah. we might do our own thing you know like put a couple bands under our wing eventually one day and just you know do some splits or something i don't yeah, know yeah that's what I want to do. I, I've always wanted to own my own record store too, and I've always just wanted to press records. Yeah, that's 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 another thing I'd love to be able to do. I mean, that's that's sort of my goal with Van Huskins is we just recorded a couple of songs and we thought we were going to get the opportunity to do a split with the band, but it's they're not ready, so we might just go ahead and throw these songs out there and do that down the road. But my yeah. my, my goal is like we got to do vinyl, we got to put some records out there because that's 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 a part of my dream as well. Yeah, man, and it's you got to find a good spot nowadays to get that vinyl out. Um, you know, there's a couple secrets going around, but I haven't really seen any fruition of anything. You always yeah. hear something, somebody's doing something special, yeah. you know. But I, I don't know. I'm, I, I miss the quick turnarounds for vinyl. It's kind of weird right now. Yeah, that's that's the thing. You got to kind of be willing to sit on it for a while, or, or be creative about how you sell it before you release it out there for for everybody to hear anyway. Yeah. It's like, hey, let's write a bunch of songs and wait a year before we play it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's like, I don't know, man. Like, like I wish everybody started buying tape players again. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, really. I mean, because you can do that pretty easily and pretty cheaply, too. Yeah, tapes are rad. I mean, you can put stickers in there. You can, like, send shirts, you know, like a big cushy package. Yeah. Wrap a tape in the shirt and stick it in an envelope. You know what I mean? Yeah. Having said that, but, like the, my 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 giving my doing the cassette releases, it's not a done deal. Like, but in the future, I'm probably going to do it when I can afford to have it done for me instead of me making all the tapes. I, I really like that idea of me making all the tapes, sort of old yeah. school style. But man, it takes a lot of work and a lot of time. Yeah. Yeah, man. I I remember when Jam Room was doing like tape duplication. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, I'd go down there and I'd get so many tapes. And it was so exciting to go pick up that box, you know. And like now the CDs are still cool. But like, I don't know, man. It's like CDs are so iffy with people because it's like, who's, who buys CDs? But you show up with a bunch of CDs, people buy CDs. But I'm like, what are they playing them on? Are they get in the car. <laughs> they, they got an old car because every car's got the auxiliary port in it, you know. Well, but if you buy a bunch of drop cards and you sell drop cards, nobody buys the drop cards. Yeah, you, know? yeah. you could do the QR codes. but. I just feel like it's CDs weird. are one of those things that, that people will pick up just because they want to want to support you, and they think, well, yeah. I might listen to this someday, and because maybe I, I can put it in the PlayStation at home or whatever. Um, yeah, it's like they can open the music still and still smell it. Yep. <laughs> you know, new CD smell. You don't really hear people say that, but yeah. it does exist. <laughs> yeah. It's the ink, damn it. <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. It's 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 so weird. It's such a transitional period right now with like merch stuff. But I I sell more patches and more shirts than anything. And then you know people just they stream stuff. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. So it's just that that kind of hurts a little bit. But you know, people that support you do support you. You're right. They'll they will buy the CDs, but you know they will buy the other things that they can sport out: buttons, shirts, keychains, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know. Everybody jump on that sticker mule deal because <laughs> those are cool deals. You know, you get like what, like, you know, buttons and stuff like that for like, you know, twenty, thirty dollars. They'll send you like a roll of a hundred stickers. Yeah. You know, it's, it's all right. It, it does its job and sell your stickers for a buck a piece or something. But I like it. You know, yeah. just, just look out for the deals and make it happen. <laughs> Damn. Uh, anything else in the future that you want to talk about? Um, and then we can kind of just talk about where people can hear you and when you're playing and all that stuff too. 
Uh, well, just hop on SodaCityRiot.com and look for the shows. Um, we, uh, I think we're doing, we got a couple of Charleston shows coming up a week apart from each other, which is a rarity. And I don't think mm. we'll be back down there till the winter. But we got one at Royal American on June the 3rd. And then we're playing the Music Farm with the Hanging Judge and Shim Creeps on the 10th. Okay. That's, that's of June. And then, um, yeah, let's see. I think we're going to be up your way, dude, at the uh, Hightower Fest. Yeah, yeah, at the uh, Rooster, I think. Yeah, yeah, I cannot wait to play there because that night that I popped in there and saw you guys, um, my in-laws live like right around the corner off Chester. Okay. Up in Gaston. Yeah, yeah. So I was up there that night, and I was like, oh, my God, this show's happening. So I saw you guys, No Anger Control. Um, what's that other band that played? That dude was wearing like a Davy Crockett hat. Oh, uh, self-made monsters. They're they're great. Yeah, yeah, dude, those guys are bad ass. Oh yeah, God, they're bad. Ass. Did, did, what are those guys? I mean, like, are they? Have they been around a long they, time? They've been around for quite a few years. Um, but they're, they're sort of they're, they've really hit their stride here. Uh, Eddie's gotten sober, and that 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 really kind of pushes them it. up another level. So, but Is yeah, they, they were around for, yeah, they, yeah, they were around for a lot of years and, and just didn't do a whole lot of stuff. Everybody always loved them. They were always really popular, but they just didn't have much motivation because they were just like to get loaded. <laughs> so, oh, dude, <laughs> that I saw those guys. I mean, not, not putting down anybody else, but like when I saw them play, that was my first time seeing them. And I was like, I want to play shows with those yeah, guys. And I even like, I walked up to him and I was like, I, I need, I need to get a hold of you because I need to send you somewhere where you can go play and you will be like, holy shit. Yeah. And then, uh, so I, I, I still need to contact him, but trust me. Oh, oh my God, dude, I freaked <laughs> out. I, I was just like, that is this just, just grimy rock and roll. Yeah. And I was just like, Oh, it's like that, that shit had a third ball. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and, and Eddie's a super awesome guy too. I mean, the, the whole, the whole band is, but I love Eddie to death. I'm glad to hear that story about him sobering up, man. Because next time I see him, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask. Him. I imagine, hopefully, he'll hear this. But um, I don't know, man. I, I just had good feelings all the way around, so I'm trusting my gut, and I did trust my gut. And now look at it. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Well, I, th I think it's kind of cool. I look around and, and I see like a, a lot of people our ages that they're still out there doing this stuff. They are getting sober, or just you know stopping and drinking. I, I never really had a drinking problem, but. I kind of quietly quit drinking a couple of months ago. Just that's I just, awesome, I just, man. I, Congratulations! I was, I was just like, what's the point of me even having one or two when I can just have a soda water, <laughs> like yeah. you were talking about on your on your podcast? Um, yeah. But you know, that's 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 kind of how I did it. Was like when I go out, I get a liquid death or whatever they got at the at the at the bar, and that's that's what I drink. Um, yeah, man. I see a lot of people doing it, and, and some bars are adapting and doing a lot more non-alcoholic drinks, not or options. And uh, mm -hmm. the, the ones that do it, like Tommy's Pub in Charlotte, they've really embraced that. And it, it really helps bands out at the end of the night whenever it comes pay, pay time because the people that aren't drinking have options to drink and, and are spending money at the bar. Right. Yeah. So I, yeah. I think it's cool. Yeah, I do too. And it's, and it's like I mentioned on that podcast too. It's like you ever notice that the soda water aisle is just growing at the grocery yeah. store because <laughs> it's, it's some, something's changing. You know, it's like a, it's like a, it's the, the best growing trend I've ever seen, and I'm I'm glad it's outgrowing auto tune. Because for me as well, like I, I started drinking it a while back, just just to start stop drinking regular sodas because I like the carbonation and all that. And I'm like, well, if I can replace it with this, it'll work. And it took a little while for me to kind of get to where I'm like, okay, I like this. But now I, yeah. I, I crave them. I still have like one soda a day, but 
you know, I just know for my health, it's just better to, to drink something besides soda and beer. Yeah, that's true, man. Dude, I'll tell you one thing. If you're ever down here in Columbia and you go to Art Bar, if you're playing or mm-hmm. if you're just catching a show, um, Curiosity Coffee Bar has uh, coffee and cans mm-hmm. and that stuff, man. Oh, man, Greg knows how to make some coffee and yeah. they got that stuff at Art Bar and I'll get them to pour it to me pour it for me in a pint glass and put a little bit of like uh half and half creamer in it yeah and man two of those dude you were running around that building screaming <laughs> at people i mean it is amazing how much caffeine is in those things but like i i love coffee and i'll just i'll just drink some coffee and be good to go or yeah, you know yeah. some water i think i've gotten past the soda water thing um because <laughs> I was just like, ugh, it makes me pee like every 45 seconds, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So it's it's very strange, but um, the, the changes and everything coming out of the alcohol was just wild, but I'm so glad that the entertainment has been amazing. Yeah. And like, you know, I've just seen so many good bands, I'm like hearing things and remembering things, and it's just like... Ah, I'm not numb and dumb anymore. Yeah, that's that's another good thing about like I, I, I there were so many shows I saw when I was younger, great bands I saw that I barely remember the show because, you know, either I drank or I was you know ate some Xanax or something like that, and it's like yeah. now I'm going to see these bands at my age and I'm really enjoying it and I remember every bit of it. Um, right. So that that's another added benefit, added bonus of, of you know kind of getting sober. Yeah, man, it is, and I, I like a lot of people can't move past that rut in the mind, mm-hmm. and they they think crazy things. You know, they think like, "Am I going to be boring?" They think, "What am people going to think about me if I'm not the one dr- if I'm the one that's not drinking?" But it's like life is so much better without yeah, yeah. alcohol if it is a problem for you. There, you there's know? there's somebody that I wish would listen to this podcast. That I know won't listen to it because he l- doesn't listen to any. Of my podcast um to hear some of this stuff because mm-hmm. that's that's the same excuses i get well man i think just feel like i want to be boring if i stop drinking or yeah like, man, like that you're not that's you're that not. person that <laughs> yeah if that person quit life would be so much better it yeah, would just yeah. be it's just rich you know i don't know man you just you just you just get joyful over other things yeah that, I, the important things you know so that's i don't know it's just beautiful so yeah life's pretty rad Oh, yeah. I, I definitely agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, sweet, man. Anything else before we wrap up? Nah, I'm good. And uh, like I said, I'll see you on, <laughs> on June 16th in Columbia for that, for that Bedlam Hour show. Um, Hell yeah, man. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, that's going to be gonna awesome. It's going to be a good time. I think it's June 16th. <laughs> All of a sudden, I'm, no, like, I'm pretty sure that's... Se- it's, it's, it's the that, 17th. I was going to say, because I got three shows, like the, the three days, that Thursday, Friday, and Saturday in, in Asheville, Wilmington, and then Columbia. So I was yeah. like, it's the 17th. I was going, I, I know it's one of those days around there. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's, it's going to be a good time. And it, Cause they're down, they're down in Myrtle beach on the 16th, 17th. They're here. And then the yeah, yeah, 18th yeah. Charleston, that's right. Hybrid mutants. And that's going to be killer. Yeah. So I will miss yeah. that one, but that would be awesome if I could see that. one. <laughs> that whole run is just going to be amazing, man. Yeah. So if anybody goes, go to any of them, it's going to be great. So yeah. All, all of them, even in the Redneck Riviera, amazingly enough. <laughs> Myrtle Beach is going to be blessed for once. <laughs> so, yep. oh, yeah. Thanks for having uh, me on, man. Oh, this you're is, welcome. This Thank is you. awesome. I appreciate it. And and sometime when you're up in town, we'll, we'll catch a show together or something. Because, uh, I mean, yeah, man. You know, you're in Gast- Gastonia often, and I'm in Kings Mountain, just right down the road. 
Yeah, dude. I will definitely let you know next time I'm, I come up that way. I think we're up there, you know? And, and, we, and we need to get a show together sometime soon. Like I said, I'm, I've, I've just not really been booking a whole lot lately, and, and but we'll do we'll do that again sometime down the road. I, I don't know that yeah, we've yeah. ever – I don't think that we've ever played with Soda City Riot, but we played with you one time at Tommy's. But I've seen, yeah, that's I've right. seen you guys several times. Yeah, man. Like, we, we could definitely make it happen, and we should. Yeah. So – we should do something at the rooster and get something cooking there because yeah. I, I mean that show in july is going to be great but i've been talking with them forever and it's kind of hard to land something there their schedule versus our schedule yeah so it's just like they're they're very nice they reply back super quick and dude's even got a sense of humor and seems to be knowledgeable about music too so i'm like all right well this is kind of cool but we'll land something one day so i'm yeah. not in a rush yeah we'll get, we'll get something hooked up for sure heck yeah Sweet. let's do it yeah awesome well thanks man i appreciate it yeah, dude. Thank all you. Right. You have a good night, and I'll get this all edited up. It's time once again to put those Doc Martens up in the closet. Then it's time once again to follow away the agnostic front. It's time to erase all the strange voices on my answering machine Cause my mother telephone And she's coming down for a couple of days God knows I wouldn't want to upset her or make her cry But when I was 18 I tried to tell her that this burning for music would never die But she wouldn't listen Mother doesn't know I am a punk rocker She has no idea of the music I make Or the life I lead Or the chances I take My mother doesn't know I am a punk rocker It is so far removed from her world She will never ever know She used to approve Till I got beat up by a gang of kids Then I ruined my credit Went into debt Much to my chagrin When I look back at my life I can't hardly blame her It looks like a wreck But it's my beautiful wreck It's what I love to do It's the only thing that matters In my bland, unsalted life My mother, she thinks I'm a yuppie And wants a house full of kids and a BMW with all the money I spent on records and fanzines I could have bought two BMWs My mother doesn't know I am a punk rocker She has no idea of the music I make Or the life I lead Or the girls I date My mother doesn't know I am a punk rocker so far removed from her world She will never ever know In my house I listen to the meat men And the knee heights too And in my car I worship naked Reagan Operation Ivy And the night that I made love to you In my mind I will always wonder about Graham today What he's wearing on stage But at my about work.
A Gabba Gabba Hunt Media Production. What you doing, Johnny? Can you not get down, boy? You can get down from there. Come on. Not that way. Johnny, get down. Get down. Get down. You can just jump down. You're a cat. Do cat things. Don't be afraid to jump.